You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you. And they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to cloneawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember... This is a deal that cannot be cloned. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. Before we start the show, I wanted to let you know about another disability podcast that I think you'll love. The disability community is not a monolith. Within the community, there's people of different views, beliefs, and identities. And each individual person with a disability has a story to tell. And that's why we're here. Our podcast, You First by Disability Rights Florida, features firsthand interviews with disabled guests, scholars, and advocates covering a wide variety of disability-related issues. We have episodes on voting access, mental health, ableism in academia, disability and reproductive justice, disabled art, accessible video gaming, and much more. Our goal? To have you take away a new perspective on disability and bring awareness and insight to the world around you. You can listen to our latest episodes wherever you're listening now or visit us at disabilityrightsflorida.org forward slash podcast to learn more and find transcripts of all of our episodes. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on episode 336 of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on your disability stories with your deliciously disabled host, Andrew Gerza. Let us get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get today started. Before we jump into the episode, though, 
I would love it if you could leave a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast for this show. Tell me what you love about it. Tell me what the show means to you. And leave a review because it helps get the show noticed. And it helps all the algorithms that, that make the show go actually go. So I would love it if you could please, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. It means a lot to me and it means a lot to me because... There is no team here doing it. It's me sitting in my bedroom making a show for you. So please consider leaving a review if you can. Or you could support the show by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. And I have made the decision to release the episode as soon as I'm done producing it. So that usually ends up being days beforehand. So now if you... If you pledge, you'll get the show more than one day early, completely ad-free, so please consider pledging if you're able to. That would be great. Again, patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Also, what do I want to tell you? Also, I'm loving doing the new uh, Popcorn and Power Chairs series that I've put in to this show. I love doing it. If you want to come on that episode, that those shows come... Every other week that there's not a main episode, you'll hear a Popcorn and Power Chairs. We just did the first one. I'm going to record the second one this coming week. I cannot wait to to do it. I'm really excited. If you want to come on the show and, and watch a movie with me and talk about it, let's do that together. So email me at andrewandandrewgerza.com with your show ideas and your movie ideas and any any of those things. I'd love to have you be a part of the show. Speaking of the show, let's get to the show today, right now. Just before we start the show today, I want to talk about people online. This is not the show, I just had a, I had this thought and I wanted to bring it to you, lovely listeners. I was on the apps the other day looking for, well, I was looking for sex or friendship or whatever the fuck on the apps. And I had somebody, I messaged somebody and I was like, Hey man, you're really cute, really attractive, I'd love to spend some time with you. And his response to me was, Oh, I'm so sorry you ended up this way. And I was like, ended up this way? What are you talking about? And he was like, you know, in your condition. And I was just rolled my eyes. Because in 20 years of being in the dating scene, I get this so often. Please don't leave people messages like this. It's really uncomfortable and we don't like it. And that's kind of, I'm kind of going through a little bit of, of, of a depression about depression about that because I wish people would message me and be like, "You're hot, you're disabled, let's mess around," or "Let's go on a date," or "Let's have a drink." Um, the last date I went on, the guy never called me back, so that was fun, and that was like four months ago. It's just frustrating to have to go on the apps that you think are more accessible, and then you deal with this shit. So that's what I'm dealing with right now. But enough of my rambling. I am so excited to bring you this episode. I got to talk with a really sexy porn star, queer porn star, my new friend, Teddy Wilder. He makes porn out of Australia, and I wanted to do one of my favorite series, What Would Happen If You Became Disabled Tomorrow, or a Wheelchair User Tomorrow, and that's what we did. So we, he is such a gem of a human. We really talked about how his life would change, were he a wheelchair user, his experience with disability, um, and I, I also gave him the opportunity to, to just ask questions and just talk to me. I think 
that's how we combat ableism, and that's what I got to do here. And I would love to invite any adult stars that are listening, or anybody that wants to, to not be too any. Well, let me try again. Let me try again. Anyone who is not disabled who wants to come on the show and explore what might happen if they were to be disabled, I'd love to have you. So consider coming on. But enough of my rambling. Here is my sexy interview with the sweetest, kindest, like the nicest dude ever and the hottest dude ever. He's really cute. The uh, the adorable Teddy Wilder right here on Disability After Dark. Teddy Wilder, hello. Hello from Australia. Hi, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's Sunday morning, having a coffee, ready to rumble. Nice, so happy to have you here, and I'm so jealous you're in Australia, because feels like <laughs> well, feels like everyone that I talk to is always over there, and I'm very jealous that I'm not there. I, I do love it there. Well, as we experience getting set up for this, the thing you shouldn't be jealous about is the Wi-Fi, though. <laughs> what a yeah, shit show. <laughs> yeah, it was quite, it was a good... 10 minutes of like, oh, you're saying great things. I can't hear you. What? What? Oh, great. <laughs> oh, too yeah, bad. there's only 27 million of you there. You'd think it would be better. Yeah. Well, here's the hoping. I think it, I think basically we're on track, like where 5G will just be better than even bothering with like home Wi-Fi. So here we are. I don't know. See how we go. I mean, it's so quality over there right now. You had to plug in your Ethernet cord, which is like, <laughs> what is it? 1996? Wow. Wow. <laughs> We're just lucky I had one. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but anyway, let's crack into it. I'm so happy to have you here. I have been following your illustrious porn career for a while now on the Twitters. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to reach out to you to do an episode like this because I love talking to adult film stars and really queer men in general just about disability and giving them a chance to learn about disability with me for an hour and to talk about ableism in the queer community because that's so rampant. And I, I was like, well, he's an attractive dude and I've seen his porn. So I'll just reach out and see what happens. And here we are. So yeah. I'm a little bit starstruck because I've seen yeah. you in various states of undress. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're dressed right now, but I've seen you in various states of undress. <laughs> um, and so I'm really excited to just chat disability with you for an hour. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I have, um, some experience, um, questions, and just looking forward to a great chat and getting to know you as a human. Nice. Awesome. I like that. So I kind of alluded to what you do, but just for anyone who might not know who the T- Teddy Wilder is, can you uh, introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, yeah. what you do? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone who's listening. Um, I'm Teddy. Uh, about a year ago, almost to the date, uh, I released my first ever full porn scene. So I'm about one year into this, uh, just had a big milestone over on the app formerly known as Twitter, I guess. Uh, I've ticked over a hundred thousand followers over there, which has just been so incredible. That's bananas. It doesn't make sense to me. It's one of those, like I pinch myself every day moments. Um, but yeah, here we are. Uh, so Teddy, uh, is all about being welcoming, um, approachable, uh, friendly if anybody watches my porn there's always dad jokes hidden in them because that's just who i am um and i can't hide that side who of who doesn't me, so. love a good dad joke i mean, I mean <laughs> in the middle of sex 
I mean, really though, if you're not laughing during the blowjob, are you doing it right? No. I, I um, mean, if you don't laugh at some point during sex, I question if you're doing all right. So absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So that's me. And I, you know, I don't, I know there's people, they'll call themselves porn stars or celebrities. I don't think of myself like that at all. Um, the way I like to think about what I do is I'm just a guy inviting you into my bedroom and you get to see what I get up to. So that's that. That's a really cool way of putting it. That's very like, I like that because I've also done some porn and we literally shot the porn in my bedroom, quite literally. So, um, well, and, and all my stuff is authentic. Like I, I, I only film with people that I would happily also have sex with for fun because I don't, I don't, I sort of think of myself as a quote performer. I'm not being performative. I'm literally just having good sex and I want people to know what a healthy sex, healthy sex life looks like, if that makes sense. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you do talking, you said, you know, you, but all the dad jokes you are, you're sporting quite the dad look right now. Um, <laughs> you have an Adidas, Adidas like runner shirt on, which totally is screaming, taking the kids out to like tennis. And you know, it's so funny. I still call it Adidas, but not living in Australia, people correct me all the time. It's like, Adidas. I'm like, it's going to be Adidas for me for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> it's Adidas. Like, what are you, what? <laughs> So, like I said, I want to talk to you about all about disability today and to crack right into that. So, I want to ask you, so many people are kind of unsure about how to bring up disability and how to talk about it. Can you share with us your understanding or any experiences you've had with disability? I, um, it was so wonderful when you sent that question over to me in advance because I got to delve back into my memory and really try to figure out have I had actual quality experiences that I could call on for this chat? And then it, it, the light bulb went off immediately. Um, so when I was back in college, I was studying marketing and advertising. Uh, and one of my best friends, she was a resident advisor with me. Um, we really uh, took off our friendship. And then we were in the exact same classes together. So we ended up doing, you get to your senior year, in college, I don't know if every college does this, but mine did something called a capstone, which is like basically the culmination of everything that you needed to know in marketing and advertising in one final class. And you had to build like an advertising plan from the ground up research, et cetera, all the way to delivering creative to the client. And we were in the same working group for that. And so we were together nonstop, like late nights, like a crash over at her house. Um, and we just, you know, our friendship got like really, really tight. Uh, the reality is she, uh, had been using a wheelchair since she was 16, I think. Um, and she just showed me all these things that I had totally wrong. Um, reframed basically everything I thought I knew about what it means, um, to be a disabled person. So she drove this huge SUV and showed me how she controlled it exclusively with her hands, which yeah. again, that was just, I was like 20, 21 at the time. I was like, fuck, I didn't even know this was po like technologically possible. So I was like, sweet. So she's got that amazing additional mobility there. Um, she had multiple variations of her wheelchair, like one that was more comfortable for being in class all day, right? Like sitting and taking notes. Um, yeah. And then one that was like a little more efficient. If she was going to be like running errands, she could like easily pop the wheels off. Um, and it was lighter so she could, you know, throw it in her SUV pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we just became like, we were inseparable. And then, you know, fast forward, we, we would like, like I said, 
I'm, I'm hello i'm gay she was straight so like sleeping in her bed and like giggling and and oh, we've all sex. done that with us <laughs> we've all done that we've all, we've all been there yeah yeah hello but that's where she you know we would talk about our sex lives and that's where like she educated me again so we would have conversations about you know like a body position how she would have to get in certain like really comfortable ones the type of bed she had was a tempurpedic because that helped you know make sure there was no strain or pressure doors um, or yeah yeah there you go so and she so we would just talk very openly about that stuff and um then she that same year maybe it was junior or senior year i can't remember um but she fell in love with an able-bodied man um they were dating uh, so we would talk about him a lot. He was really cute. Um, I think he was like, an, he ended up being an air traffic controller too, like a really oh, like nice. stress, like one of those like really intense jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she would talk to me all the time about her dream of, you know, obviously wanting to be an advertising professional, but also wanting to be a mom. Um, and then fast forward, uh, her and her, well, then husband, they got married and then she, got pregnant and despite her doctors and her family being like no 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 no, you shouldn't do this she's like no i want to be a, a fucking mom and i want to do it my way and she did so you talk about somebody like reframing everything i thought i knew um i think she is the perfect example because she just did everything she wanted to do um and even though obviously her disability was disruptive to her life she just figured out yeah. ways through it all and wasn't gonna miss out on anything as a result of that. So that's my, that's my most real tangible experience that I would say, Andrew, that I wanted to bring forward to you today. I mean, I so, think that's and, and it was, and it was beautiful to relive it all. I was like, I, we haven't talked in a few years. I'm like, fuck, I'm going to drop her a message. <laughs> oh, you should reach out and be like, look what I'm doing. Oh, can't show that to the kid. Don't show that to the kid. But yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I would hope that for me too, like I've had able-bodied friends from college and I hope that when they, saw what I, what I, what I, how I lived every day. It kind of gave them that light bulb moment of like, oh, I never realized that before. Yeah, I'm sure you did because we were all just like born with these assumptions. And until you have somebody who's willing to kind of fully open themselves up like that and share and show how, how natural everything is, um, then I don't know. I just guess, I guess you get in situations too where maybe you're uncomfortable to ask, um, which is certainly yeah. what this conversation is about. But yeah, man, she broke all those walls down for me. So that was that's that. so cool. And I mean, to be to be twenty twenty one and have that kind of education, that's a big, that's a that's a really beautiful thing. Because when you're that age, that's when you're really learning about the world for real. And correct. So, and, correct. Especially in college, that's when you want to like absorb everything. So yeah, yeah. you're like a sponge right, right there. And so that's, I'm so <laughs> glad that you had that experience. And she sounds great. And if she if she's listening, if you're listening, if you want to come on the show and talk about, talk about being a mom, I would love to talk to you about that. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so one of the and so one of the big other parts of this conversation that I want to bring up, Teddy, because I think it's important, and I think all of us experience and have contributed to ableism in one way or another. We were talking about it just before we hit record. How all of us can be ableist. And I think it's important that we kind of shine a light on that without shame and without fear of like, oh my goodness, you're an ableist. Wow. So I wonder if there were any moments in your life that you may have unintentionally or intentionally contributed to ableism that you would want to talk about. I couldn't think of any like crisp specific example, but 100% I am certain that I have ableist language in my vernacular 
Um, I was doing some research before this. I'm like, yep, I say that. Yep. Oh my God. I say that. Like just going through the list. So that's something that like, certainly I'm hoping to like minimize over time. I know I won't get it right every time, um, but like we were talking about before, oh, this, like it's a process and um, the, the idea be aware is the important thing. Uh, yeah. Right? And as the TikTok kids say, don't, don't the TikTok kids say like, trust the process, trust the process. <laughs> I don't know. I'm too old, but apparently that's what they say now. But like, yeah, it is a process. Um, and it is something you don't change overnight. People think that like, you can just immediately take that language out of your vernacular. No, it, it takes time. And I, myself, I'm, I've said this many times, I'm disabled and I will do ableist things. And I'm of the belief that it doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that we you have something to work on. That's it. Because I yeah. think there's this big idea that if you do an ableist thing, you're like the worst person ever. How dare you? And it's like, well, no. What if you just made a mistake? Right. And the important thing is, cool. And yeah, honestly, we all, we learn more from our mistakes than the things we keep doing right. Fundamentally. Yeah. Right? Exactly. A mistake, you're like, shit. I remember, I remember like, my mom, I was like eight years old and my mom like bought me a toy and I didn't say thank you. And for whatever reason, and she turned around on me and she was like sad because I think she had a really stressful day. And she's like, I just need you to say thank you. And I was like, oh my God, thank you, mom. And I've never not said thank you since for anything in life. So yeah, mistakes stick with us. Yeah. And I think with ableism too, and like, and I think because it's so baked, baked into our culture and baked into how we especially for us as queer, like I'm a non-binary person, but as queer people read as men, there's so much ableism that we experience and that we sure. contribute to. And that I, I definitely have contributed to. And I mean, in the industry that you work in, like I just tweeted like five seconds ago, like, you know, this idea of the perfect body, this idea of like the super muscular dude that is so beautiful that like he turns all the heads. That's great. But that whole idea of him, is rooted in ableism and what you're saying subconsciously is like a disabled body that doesn't look anything like that doesn't have the same value or the same weight look i and you know it's not a one-to-one comparison but that's one of the things that i've been trying to break down to and what i create like i don't have a perfect body i have a tummy i have love handles i have back hair so classically these things would be ew not that long ago yeah and i feel like it's my job to show people, no, all body types are beautiful. All body types are deserving of amazing sex. Um, and that's one of the things that I try to accomplish with what I put out there. I don't, you know, I've got some angles of my body that I probably don't love. Um, but I don't edit those out in all cases of my porn. Right? I leave it in. I want people to be like, yeah, you know what? Hey, parts of my body jiggle too. And guess what? That's sexy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And if you follow Teddy on social media, you'll see all the things jiggle in there. There are posts that are, <laughs> that are just designed for that, which I think is awesome. Um, You're so funny. Uh, I am quite hilarious. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to, one of the questions that I love asking people on this show, and it really makes them think, and it really kind of scares them a little bit. I love asking non-disabled dudes this question. Um, how do you think your life, if you woke up tomorrow, would change if you became a wheelchair user. So if you woke up one morning and you had, say, for instance, spastic quadriplegic CP, and it meant that you couldn't get up out of your bed by yourself and you couldn't um, walk or take care of yourself or dress or move around the same way or feed yourself, how do you think it would change your life? 
I mean, I spent some quality time, um, like almost meditating on this topic because it, if you let yourself think about it a lot, it's, it, it's very, very scary. The thought, yeah. um, and fun, I mean, fundamentally it, the short answer is literally everything would change period. Um, you'd have to have a carer probably if you can't dress yourself fundamentally, that's a major complicated complication is just kind of starting your day. Um, then I thought about the house that I live in. I live in a house right now that is a three story with a central stairway in the middle, no elevator, a stairway. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> You I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to live in my current home, right? No. It wouldn't even be an option. And the living areas start on the second floor. So I couldn't even like set myself up on the first floor to make that my living area. It just fundamentally would be, okay. So number one, care. Number two, you have to move houses instantaneously. Yeah. Right That's away. And finding crazy. an accessible house, no matter where you live, whether it be Australia, the States, wherever it's it gotta is. Gotta be, gotta be extra complicated. Yeah. <laughs> takes forever and the wait list is ridiculous oh man i bet and then i thought about where i'm where i'm living now the wait list is like for me to get where i am i'm lucky that i got where i was because they were opening up a new spot but had i waited i would be waiting for 15 years to get to move into where i am right now one five fifteen holy shit yeah well there's not enough housing then that doesn't make sense yeah it's um well, look, I, then I thought about, okay, so let's say you get to the point where you're living somewhere. It doesn't take 15 years, God forbid. And you, you're living somewhere that, um, accommodates what you need. You've got someone to help you, assuming you can, because I'm sure that's expensive AF. That's a whole other, that's, I mean, oh. not only is it, is it expensive, but if you, like where I live, I have carers coming in and out daily. I, I see them on the regular about five times a day for five hours a day of care. That's 35 hours a week at, they get paid anywhere from 25 bucks an hour to 35 an hour. So if I, like, I'm not, luckily it's government subsidized for me, so I don't cover that. But if I was covering that, that's, 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 a, that's a pretty expensive, uh, just to get up for the day. Right. And, but you're, you're fortunate. And I'm assuming, gosh, of course, I've never researched this here in Australia. Um, but we're, we're potentially fortunate enough to live in areas that there at least is government subsidies. Yeah. To yeah. Kind of help. And you have. There's got to be countries where you're just on your own with this, which oh, is I, I can't imagine in, in countries in Africa can be can be extremely poor. They don't have the funding, they don't have the money, they don't have the infrastructure to figure out care. So you're with you live with your family, and if if you can't, you just figure it out, which is which is really scary. Very very scary. Well, then I thought about the next. Okay, so let's say let's say I'm able to afford or have the government support for a care get into housing um, that accommodates me where I'm comfortable, where I'm happy and can start to stabilize a little bit. Then I think about one, one of the most important ways that I kind of keep my mental health positive and blow off steam is through physical fitness, right? I do CrossFit, I do HIT, I lift, and this is without question my sort of therapy, right? To kind of like get the things out of my brain, work is stressful, life is stressful, whatever. Um, I do that all through like challenging workouts so then i'd have to learn like an entirely new methodology of what my body is capable of to help me go blow off that steam yeah. and depending on um you know wh- where i would be at physically I- i'm sure there would be the the options for that would be quite restricted i mean so also, I- oh go ahead go yeah ahead. to do to do all of that plus plus um to to now be in a body that doesn't work like yours does Exactly. You can't, just, you can't just pop like even 
before we started recording, you were texting me saying, oh, I'm getting coffee. I'll be there right away. Like, can you imagine if you had to have a carer get you coffee and get you all the stuff and you had to wait for them to help you get stuff? Like when I get up in the morning, I have somebody come in and help me have breakfast. And But I can't say, okay, do this right now. Like, let's go fast. I have to be like, all right, let's take our time. Let's go at your pace because you're helping me. So right. there's this sense of like, there's a loss of independence and i think and a shift to like interdependence because like you have to rely on them so you have to let this idea of i'm gonna go fast 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 i'm gonna like hurry up and go to like all right i'll get there when i get there no big deal uh that's a new word for me interdependence i'm gonna write that one down because yeah it would be fundamentally that wouldn't it like this idea of like release this part to the universe because there's another person involved in your day-to-day life and you have to it's going to be what it's going to be and it is it is and i but i think you know to think about the workouts too and to think about the ways that what if even what if you work out so much and you're in your wheelchair and your body so doesn't do what you want it to do like there's a lot of um i think you would experience if you were to wake up tomorrow and be disabled frustrations like grief and frustration and like you would you because i've i've been born in this disabled body my whole life but there are things that i can't do anymore that are like oh that's gone and that feels weird um and like one of the big things that i talk about since we are talking about sex today um i can't masturbate myself anymore so like when did you when did that function start to fall off probably about i want to say six seven years ago gotcha i just one day i mean i can still do it but the muscles of my hand are are really tight so the whole idea of like trying to relax into a masturbatory session is really hard so i would try and try and it would hurt and i would just stop because i was like well i can't jerk off anymore so i guess i'm right. not like and what's supposed to feel good is now becoming frustrating which is the complete opposite of how you're wanting to yeah, feel so, so now my body does this fun thing where i'll just decide to come when when my body wants to, which is like, I was like, Oh, that's great. Cool. <laughs> great. Just randomly. Yeah. I won't be aroused. I won't be turned on. My body will just decide, Oh, now is the time. <laughs> I'm pressing expunge. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Basically. And so like, there's grief in that too of like, yeah, sure. You know, the whole idea of a masturbation session is for relief for like sexual health and all those things. And when you can't do that, it's like, or when your body decides to just do it as another bodily function, you're like, oh, I really wish I could do that for pleasure, though. Right. Yeah, you want to be in control of that experience. It's it's very personal. Wild. And so I, I can I would imagine for you, like, that would change. Um, are you in, you're in Australia, are you in Sydney? I'm in Melbourne. Okay. Okay. So are you like, are you close to beach? No, it's kind of different living here. Like in, in Sydney, by and large, people like a beach vibe. Um, in Melbourne, you end up kind of, there's a few different areas. You end up either more in the northern part, um, which is more like, I think, um, somewhat industrial, but not like industrial, industrial, or you end up, there's some beach points down south called like St. Kilda. You probably heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it kind of just depends on where you, where you end up living in Melbourne, but no, I don't live by the beach. Plus, the beaches in this immediate area aren't as pretty as beaches as you sort of kind of get out of this zone. Yeah, yeah. Because I was gonna say, like, if you if you went on the beach, like, you know, being a wheelchair user, that's out of the that's not happening. I mean, the 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 luck of you living in an industrial area is that maybe things are maybe more accessible there. 
Um, Maybe, but look, remember the Wi-Fi here sucks, so I'm assuming the accessibility is on a is maybe not in the most perfect condition either. It probably has some work to do for sure. Um, for sure, is there any? Is there when no? A minute ago, when I posed the question to you, you said you know I was thinking on it, and it's really scary. I'd love to kind of unpack where does where do you think the fear comes from? I think it's it's kind of like what we were what we're talking about now the idea this loss of having complete control over your life the decisions you make the actions you take every day having to give up that control because it's one of the things you're just you know sort of believe that's part of that's part of who you are giving that up and having to put that in someone else's hands like you said for interdependence um and just having to relearn everything that's scary it's a full a full functional reset of your life yeah, and I think, you know, for me, it's been my whole life. Like, I've been disabled my whole life for 39 years, um, which makes me feel super old. But, uh, but you know. You're younger than me. <laughs> I feel a million. My body feels like it's 65. Um, you know, I've been disabled my whole life. Uh, and so so you do, it's not, it's not as big of a loss as if I woke up tomorrow and I was disabled. But there are moments where, like, like not being able to masturbate, that was a loss. Like, you know, needing to give up, needing to to recognize that until I'm 60, 70 years old, I'm going to have somebody who needs to take care of me. And that can be like really frustrating if you think about yeah. that long term of like every day, someone has to take care of you. Someone has no, to help. I you. can, I can think of a perfect example. I look, I live this balance of an extroverted and introverted life, right? Like I'll lean in really heavily on extroverted stuff. And then I need to be introverted and like, I don't want anyone to talk to me for a few days when I be home, you know, maybe catching up on some work stuff, maybe playing video games, watching TV, but I don't want anyone around me. You yeah. wouldn't have that option. You wouldn't have the option yeah. to be fully introverted, which would make me, yeah, sad. I, it, like I you was, said, be, it would be grief. I was pissed off the other day about something and I had attending care workers coming in and out. And do you know how it is to like, be polite when you just want to be like get the fuck out of my space like <laughs> yeah I'm... you're you're helping me and i'm being polite to you and you're like they're not doing anything wrong they're just helping me so i'm being you know as polite as i can be but i'm also telling them like i'm not in the greatest mood so if I don't right i want to i want to rage right now <laughs> yeah so if i don't seem super happy but i wonder also other than that that total reset and the fear of like having to reset your life is there anything else about the hypothetical of you being a wheelchair tomorrow that any other feelings that popped up for you? Yeah, it kind of goes back to your second question about like, are there moments that have contributed to herbalism? I imagine the other thing that would be scary, confronting, unknown is that I bet you'd, I bet my friendship group would change, right? Because yeah. there are people who are just going to not want it to be their quote problem, right? Yeah. And they're just going to sl- either slowly or rapidly fade away from you. So how you access your friends, what social spaces you can get into, because if there's accessibility issues um, and people's just willingness to know that, hey, you know, I might need a little bit of additional support to to pull off this thing, but then we're going to have a great time. Um, I feel like, you know, that people are not willing to go even that little extra step potentially. So I feel like and that would happen. Social life yeah, would change in, in, immediately. Drastically. And it does. And I don't know, like, how close you are in the gay scene over there. But like, I found that gay men can be super uncomfortable when it comes to like, oh, I need stuff. I need help with this. I'll need help with this. Like for me, if we were hanging out and I needed something, I would say like, hey, like I might need help to go pee at some point during our hangout. But other than that, we'll have a great time. And it's that 
that makes people like, or I might need help to eat, or I might need help to like have a drink. And the minute that you, the minute that you tell somebody that you need care, they get all, they get so scared because they're like, oh no, what if I, their immediate fear is, what if I do it wrong? What if I hurt them? Oh. Well, if they're willing to say that and talk about that, then you can be like, oh no, no, you're not going to hurt me. Don't like, then you can at least walk through it. At least that's better if they were willing to open up and say that's what the fear is rather than just like piecing out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, usually for me, with a lot of gay men that I've encountered and queer men, it's piecing out. It's just being like, I got to go. I can't. This is too much. And so like, like, I don't date lots because of that. Because when I go on dates, I'll say to them, like, if we go on a date to get a meal together, I'm going to need you to shove the burger in my mouth quite literally. Are you okay with that? And, you know, at first they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. And then they'll see the reality of that and be like, oh, that's, I have to, like, take care of you. And it's like, well, yeah, right. but, like, you were willing to, to like, blow me later. What, like, how, like, what, how, how is that? What? Okay. Do you feel like things have, have gotten better or worse in that area over the last, let's say, decade? Oh, that's a great question. Um, honestly, the last proper date I went on was like five years ago. So I would say it's gotten, it hasn't really gone anywhere. It hasn't gotten any worse or better. I think, um, with COVID, the ableism, the ableism's gotten really high because, because people didn't wear masks and didn't take precautions and didn't like think about other people. Um, and so you you saw really quickly how how much ableism was in the world because people were like, oh, well, I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm going to do my thing, blah, blah. And you yeah. saw how quickly community members kind of just abandoned disability. Um, but in terms of queerness, I think it's always been kind of weird because, and it's my belief that the generation before us saw their friends die from AIDS. So when they saw their friends get sick and they saw their friends contract HIV in this scary virus. So when they see somebody in a wheelchair, they think, oh, you must be sick. Or, oh, you must have this. Or, oh, I can't be with you because... Mm. So I think there's some remnants of that around disability, and I wish we could find a way to talk about that more in our community. Yeah, that's interesting. I also wonder, like, one of the things... And look, this isn't me, like, saying anything negative against a a gay or queer community, because, hello, I'm in that community. But I think... Generally speaking, I live a little bit more of a selfish life, right? I kind of do what I want. Um, I don't have children, so I have a lot more flexibility if I want to travel, if I want to like make a like last minute decision and go do something. We just generally speaking, you know, get to be more selfish. And so then people who are, you know, struggling to figure out how to, you know, be a boyfriend or a partner to someone who's disabled. I think it goes back to that too. It's a, it's a loss of some of that selfishness. Yeah. Um, that we get to generally enjoy, um, in this community, which is probably that, that at the intersection also with some of the challenges there. It's interesting. I'm so this, chat, I'm, I, this is such a good chat. I'm, I'm like really engaged in this, Andrew. I'm so thankful that you invited me. Oh, no, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so glad that like one of the hottest dudes on Twitter who I've watched dicked down so many people just said, yeah, gay men are selfish because I've been feeling it for, I've been feeling that for a very long time and I'm very afraid to like say it openly, but it's, No, and I think we have to be willing to talk about it. And like I said, it's not me, you know, being negative to the community. I'm admitting that I'm selfish. I'm admitting it. Um, because if I, if I think about, 
I look, I've got, you know, siblings and all of that. And the decisions they have to make every day are, are largely based off of them thinking about their entire family and the decisions they make around that and like getting people to football games on time and all that type of stuff. Um, meanwhile, like aside from my day job and my nights and weekends job, um, uh, I, all the rest of the decisions I make are fully and exclusively about what I want to do and what feels good to me. So yeah. fundamentally, I am selfish. And I think when you also, when you become disabled, some of that, or William, well, when you do, not right now, but when in life that happens to you, you do have to give some of that up and you have to really yeah. kind of reframe because like, if my care worker or the, or if I'm with a friend and we're traveling and they're taking care of me, like I have to think about, have they eaten? Are they okay? Do they need a break? Do I need to let them rest? What right. do I have to do? Like, maybe I want to go to this club and get fucked by all these dudes. Or do I have to ask my care worker, like, Hey, do you want to take the night off and just rest and not like, there's so much more I have to think about um, than just myself, which can be really frustrating because there are moments where I want to be selfish yeah, and just of do other things, but I can't. And I think you might experience that a bit too. When, well, you will when it, when it becomes a part of your, of your narrative. Yeah. Um, I wanted to give you a chance to ask a bunch of questions because I feel like just what we were talking about, queer men are really, they get scared of some of the stuff because they don't experience it very often. And it's not really, now based on what you just said with your friend from years ago, you may have more of like a knowledge base than the average person. But I wanted to give you a chance to just ask anything off the cuff that you might have or questions you have. And then we can just have a chat about that. Yeah, sure. I think, you know, it's kind of wrapped up one of the questions you had, you had, um, sent in advance of if I think I would do a scene with someone who uses a wheelchair and the, and the fundamental question to that is absolutely. Um, uh, I think it all goes back to kind of like my ethos in terms of why I do this. It's that I'm not a performer. I'm not a porn star. Um, I'm just a guy inviting you into my bedroom and let's see what we get up to in there. But what to me is the most important thing fundamentally is chemistry, authenticity, that we just have like a great time. Um, so I was thinking about that, that I would probably, you know, in setting up for that scene, I imagine we'd have multiple additional conversations in advance of that, because some of the questions that I would have would be great. Are there areas of your body that you prefer are or are not on camera are or are not? Um, they don't, it doesn't feel nice to have that part touched. What sexual positions are comfortable versus uncomfortable? So I guess my questions for you are kind of like that. Like if I was setting up a scene with you, what are the types if of questions? You mean when you're <laughs> when I'm setting up a scene with you, what are the types of, what are the questions you want to be asked to make sure that the scene is like super comfortable and we can just focus on chemistry? The last scene that I did was with my friend John Shield a couple of years ago. Um, and we spent two to three hours talking about camera placement and camera placement with respect to the chair. And Makes sense. I'm, I was very adamant about, I want them to see us making out me in my wheelchair and you standing over me. And I want them to see me getting out of my chair and you putting me in bed and you undressing me. And I wanted, I want them to see all of that because I didn't view it as a porn scene so much as I viewed it as like, I want this to be a how-to to fuck the hot disabled guy that you've been afraid to talk to and wouldn't know how to engage with, but he picked you up at the bar one night and then he took you home and then what do you do? Like, that's what <laughs> I wanted it to be. And so we spent a lot of time talking about, like, don't take the wheelchair out of the frame. Don't make me look 
able bodied don't right. make it look don't do cuts where it doesn't people don't see anything i want them to see all of it because i think that's so valuable um in terms of what i don't like touched nothing i'm very i'm very tactile and I, you're, like, I like, you're like touch me touch this body touch I mean, all pretty over much, this body. <laughs> yeah and i i feel that way because like my the touch i receive on, on a day-to-day basis from a care worker is very clinical it's oh, very they put on a glove they're very professional and they do their job and that's great but because i'm also there too when that's happening you learn to turn off that part of your brain you learn to, to be accepting of that clinical touch and nothing else and so when i work with a sex worker or a scene partner and they get to touch me just because my whole body freaks out because i'm like what my God, you're touching me out of desire right now. What's what? What's this? What's this? <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I would for a scene like I think just showing all of that and showing all the the dark things that people are afraid of. The truth, um, yeah, absolutely, is would build better chemistry. Like one of the things that we played with when I did the scene was I have a hoist to get me in and out of bed, okay. and we showed me getting in in, in the hoist, and then making out with him in the hoist and then like he used the hoist to hold to like hold his body weight up while I ate him out like it was re- it was really fun and interactive that way but I like and, and shows the creativity you can have together yeah, and, yeah, all this yeah. Out. <laughs> and like it it shows that like these things that are so medicalized can be centralized in a way that's safe and fun and different so how did you guys handle that? So you kind of just met for a couple hours in advance and just started talking through all this stuff. You came with like a list of um, things I mean, you would he, want him to consider. John, I don't know if you know John Jill, but he is my sex worker, like my number one go-to like sex worker guy friend. So we've known each other for a very long time. And um, I think I've, he's been on this. He's been on the show. He's been interviewed on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. I've, I've, I've heard you and he speak. Yep. Yeah, so we've we've been friends for years and him, um, Davey Wavy, him, him TV reached out to me and said, we want you to, we're looking for performers to do, to recreate scenes from their home using iPhones. Like, do you want to do one? We know you want to do, want to show porn with disabled people in it. Do you want to do one? And I was like, of course I do. So I, I emailed him right away and I said, look, you and I have a connection. Would you do this with me? And he said, yeah, sure. So we really just talked about like, what is possible? What would look good on camera? What, how would the lighting look? How do we make it sexy? Like, well, keeping your disabled, but like your disability a part of it. Like, so one of the things, the scene was we were two brothers. And so he came over and he was like, oh, mom and dad are out right now. So I guess I have to go to bed. And so it, it was what like, a setup. <laughs> yeah. It was like he had to put me to bed because we were brothers and then it turned into like sex play. So it was a fun way of like keeping the disability part in it, but also right. not leaning too hard into that fetish either. I love that. Well, so the reason why I'm kind of, I'm, I'm leading you down a path here. Um, so I have, I also do um, escorting, right. And yeah. I have a potential client here in the area who uses a wheelchair. Um, we've been in conversations on and off for a couple of months um, he's got a really busy life and he lives a bit outside of the city. So it's not like it, like a couple hours outside. So we we're trying to set up the timing for when he's in town and all of that. So it's supernatural and convenient. Um, so we've had some good chats back and forth, but I would love to hear from you. Like what sort of questions, what sort of conversations should we have 
in advance of our first sexual experience together. Cause I want to make sure he has a sensational time. I would want that with any client. So what should I be asking him? That's a great question. You should be asking him. First of all, hopefully he's paying you, paying you well. Well, I, w- I was just expecting the normal rate. So, <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, cause you know, some clients don't do that. So just making sure that you're being paid your rate. Um, uh, but what you should be asking him, I think is like, what do you want out of this experience? Yep. That's my first question with anybody. So that's good. Like, what are you looking for? But also like, what are your, what are your pain points? Um, I'm taking notes. Do you mind if I take notes? This is so incredibly insightful. I also love that you're taking notes, but that's why I'm such a, but Andrew, I'm the biggest nerd. I really appreciate that. This makes me like so much more turned on by your persona now that I know you're a giant nerd. I'll take you that. That's why <laughs> Yes. Take notes. Um, I literally, I run this entire business in spreadsheets, man. I promise you my, my life is a spreadsheet. Wait. So what are your pain points? Is that what you said? What, yeah. What are your pain points on your body? What are your pain, pain points on your body. Amazing. Um, I would ask, do you have any, do you have any, um, grief about your disabled body? Do you have any, okay. um, like internalized ableism that you want to talk about or get out or work through. Oh, beautiful. I would have never thought to ask that. Cause, cause when I have sex with somebody, whether it's a worker or, or not, like I have so much internalized ableism. And I remember I had a threesome with some sex workers a couple of years ago and they were both able-bodied and I was obviously included in the threesome, but they fucked each other. And I was watching them do what able-bodied dudes do. And I was like, I can't do any of that. And I wasn't upset, but I was watching being like, oh, my body doesn't move like that. And that would have been very, very in your face, literally in your bed. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, I think, you know, you, you are there as the escort to build a little bit of that fantasy, but also like you want to make sure they're comfy. And so they might have feelings of like, this hot dude is fucking me. Why is he, what is he really here for? Like for me, and it could mm. be different for this client too, but for me, like when I'm with somebody, it's really hard for me to have a one-off with the, even with the worker, because it's like, I am asking you to put me in bed, undress me, do all these things. And then what I'm going to pay you and you're going to go, and we're not going to see each other again. That's for me, that's really hard for him. It might be easy for me. It's like, if I'm, if, if we're going to come together, I would like there to be like some sort of connection there. So I might, I might spend the first little bit just saying like, Hey, can we, can we like get to know each other before I jump on your deck? And that is, it's amazing that you brought that up because that's where he and I have the conversation that currently that we've agreed we'd first meet up, have a coffee, just have a chat and get to know each other as humans. Um, And maybe talk through some of the stuff at that point, but it makes perfect sense that he would want that. And also, like, I might ask, I don't know what his ability levels are or not, but, like, do you, do you need help in the bathroom? Is there, do you, will you need help okay. clean up? Like, what things do you need me to do? It's okay to ask those questions. This I, idea of not being afraid. I mean, he might stop you and say, no, no, that's fine. But if it were me, and we're, we're creating this two, three, like, two-hour intimate moment together... I'm going to tell you all the things I need because I want you to be, I want you to understand what you're getting into. And for me, like I'm severely disabled. So I need all the things. Um, <laughs> I need all the things, please. Yeah. Basically. I mean, I would also ask like, 
you know, do you want penetration? Do you want like what well, what what is your what are you looking like? Are you what's your what's your position? Are you a top, bottom, or a side? Like how does yep. and how, and how does your disability play into that positioning? Um. Um. What else would I if I if I were asking somebody like what I would also ask him like what his fantasy is like what does he yeah like what does he want from you because his fantasy might be I want you to go for I want to go for coffee have a date and then you're gonna like lovingly fuck me until I come or it might be like I want you to be this dude bro and both <laughs> both of those things require a different level of like does he and I think being disabled too like for me anyway, the intimacy is so much deeper with somebody sure. because I'm I'm putting trust. So you might want to remind him like, yes, I'll do this with you, but there needs to be a boundary between you and me. Like we're going to do this, but don't like, don't forget that I'm working right now because you don't want the person to like, be like, wow, Teddy made me come and I'm having all these emotions because I don't get to do that very often. So like, for me, sex is so few and far between that when I do have those moments, I have to, I have to remind myself, like, yes, they're here, they're great, but they are working. There needs to be that like boundary there for you. Gotcha, and and that's a that's super insightful because all that stuff could would would naturally be more heightened. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, it is like with me and John when we first started working together, like he had to pull me aside, like relatively early, and be like, dude. I like this. We're, we get along great, but like, I have a life outside of this, and you need to let me have that life outside of this. Like, <laughs> I'm here for you, and we're we're good, but I can't be responding to texts all the time. I have I have a life outside of this. Did you find yourself like falling in love or something like that? Well, not really in love, but like in lust for the idea that this yeah. really hot dude that I was really into makes me come once every two weeks. And I don't get that anywhere else. So I was, I had all these emotions and he he of had course. to like gently pull me aside and be like, dude, I'm not stopping our sessions, but I'm just letting you know, like it is a job. And that was really hard for me. That was something that I, I got really upset. I was, I remember being really angry for a good, like, like a good couple of days. I didn't talk to him and I was trying to be all like, well, fine. And he was like, <laughs> like, he was like, don't be, don't be sassy. Just be like, just say what you're feeling and we'll talk about it. And we talked it out and it was really great to have that grounding. Cause it he sounds amazing. Me. He sounds amazing that he would address that and then be open for what comes next and then open for what comes after that. So that's, oh, no, he did sounds a, he like did a quality job because he was like, I don't want to stop seeing you. And I respect you too much to be, to, to not tell you that you can't blow up my phone because you're bored. Like, and so for <laughs> me, it was like, for me, it was a reminder, a, a harsh reminder of like, of like, oh, the only way that I get to have sex is if I'm is if it's a work thing, and that's still something that's hard for me to work through. Is that like the easiest way for me to access intimacy is by paying for it, which I'm very privileged and lucky to have. But it can be hard when that's your primary way of getting that, and so you do develop these emotions because you're like, well, if I don't develop them here, where else am I going to get them? Uh, yeah, develop them and let them out. Absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I would also ask him, like, does he want you to, does, does he want you to lift him? Does he want you to, like, fuck him while holding him? Like, what, what are the requirements for you? Because 
if he is a more advanced disability that has a lot of stuff that you don't know about quite yet. And he might he might not be showing you that. Who knows? But let's assume for a minute that he might not be showing you that because he doesn't want to scare you. You might walk into somebody with a with a really like with a really like complex disability that they didn't tell you because they didn't want you to run away. So you might want to ask him like, hey, what are some key things that I need to know about your disability to make this fun? That this is the perfect what are some key things? Because I know in relate in like sex worky relationships or like hookups, I've I've said stuff like, oh, I'm just disabled. It's no big deal. And then they walk in and they see my lift and they see what's required to get me in bed. And they're like, oh man, I I didn't expect that. Like, oh wow. So he might be withholding stuff because he doesn't want to scare you because he knows that like disability can be scary. So you might, when you have coffee with him, you might lead with the story of your friend and just like, hey, I had a friend in college who showed me stuff like I have experience here. Um, Not experience, but I have experience of like disability a little bit so it's not it doesn't frighten me like I'm here to I'm here to do it with you so I'm not scared but I want to know yeah <laughs> how amazing that you, that you that you um gave me all of this insight that's awesome and then you can you can just be like how do you like your blowjobs because I'm, I'm great at those <laughs> no no I'm kidding but like you can be like you know how do what like what is going to make you get off and really enjoy this experience amazing yeah it's great and, a lot I, I always ask the questions around what is your fantasy what do you want out of this experience those are like my go-to questions because i think you it cuts to the heart of when what somebody kind of wants out of it yeah like and they, also it helps me it helps me filter it's so funny andrew people always want me to be this like super aggressive dom whatever i'm like have you ever seen what i do on the internet i'm not a dom i'm like no if you ever have a scene like we're ordering pizza <laughs> You're playing video games, <laughs> and I'm gonna blow you after doing that. But and well, it's funny when, when clients say, when clients are like, "I need a dom," I'm like, "Look, I'm not your guy. Like, I I can I know what you want. I can refer you to some people who will tick that box for you, but I am not gonna be like spanking you aggressively and all that. It's just not who I. No, am. like one of the things that I do with John <laughs> when we have our overnight sessions, and most of what we do is like we'll order dinner, we'll watch Bob's Burgers, and we'll blow each other, and then go to sleep. Like. And it's, <laughs> It's so nice Sounds to have perfect. that relaxability. And I was with somebody recently who, who you know, wanted to give me the fantasy. And it was so, I had to stop them and be like, I know what you're doing, but can you just let that go for just a second and be yourself? Like, this is yeah. so weird. Stop. So, like, I think, <laughs> I think also because you are seeing them in their wholeness with their disability for the first time, that's part of why they want the fantasy because everybody has to see them and they're most vulnerable. And so that's probably why they want a certain fantasy. But for me, I told you to be a real person. Like if I'm fucking you, whether it's a work thing or not, if you're not being real with me, I'm not going to enjoy myself. Well, that's exactly to the core of what I do fundamentally. Like I said, I'm not performative. I can't, I, I am not an actor. I don't, I don't call my, the people that I collab with performers. Hello. No, we're just having sex and you just happen yeah. to be watching it because it's filmed. <laughs> well, if you ever, if you ever fly to Toronto for gigs, for anything, um, I'll hire you because we'd have fun. How far is Toronto from New York City? Is there like a train? Uh, there's Not a quite train. That easy. It's like 10 hours. 
Oh my god, it's so much further than I thought. Okay, good to know. Because it might a, end up in New York, but there's a look, every time I go to the US, it's like an hour. Oh, that's not bad. Um, I keep trying to get to the East Coast, but I keep ending up more on the West Coast for whatever it is because it's just easier, right? From Australia, by the time you get there, I'm like, oh my god, yeah, and yeah, it's like all the way across the country. It's crazy. I kind of miss living there sometimes. Just the access um, you have to other people is so much higher. That's true, but you mean you live in such a you live in such a beautiful spot. Like I would never leave there. Um, I do, but I'm worried about the summer. Oh my god! Like it's already so it's technically still winter here, but we're in like early spring. Everything's blooming. My allergies are blowing up. I'm like, holy shit! Like climate change. We're we're on the cusp of like probably the hottest scary? summer. Yeah. Well, Australia's like, hot. Period. Imagine the hottest summer on record in Australia. It's going to be scary this year. So yeah, bracing for it. Um. <laughs> I wonder, do you have any other other like questions for me? For you answered you answered all of the questions that I had in that category. Thank you. Um, awesome, cool, great. Uh, so my the next question was going to be how do you, how well no the question before that is how do you think you your career would change as a porn performer if you use a wheelchair? Oh, I mean, fundamentally, it would it would change everything. I think the access to collabs would probably reduce dramatically, right? For all the reasons that we talked about um, on this show so far, I imagine people would be very afraid, very nervous, very uncomfortable. Um, and therefore, you know, the the collaboration opportunities would probably reduce by quite a lot. Um, and then also just my own personal willingness to travel, right? When I go and do these things, yeah, I film here in Australia, of course, but you probably notice what I do is I go into a city and I go and film the heck out of it for like a week. Um, and then I come back home. Uh, my, yeah. w- my own, my own personal willingness to do that would probably reduce a lot, right? And also Just the idea of the, travel. Yeah. Depending on the type of, of mobility device you used, if you used a wheelchair, exactly. like, the airlines would destroy it. You would have trouble getting everywhere. Like being a wheelchair user in one of the last places I think I saw you were in was like LA, right? So like being in LA, it's so inaccessible. Good luck getting oh. around there. Like LA. I the, thought of that, but that makes sense. Entertainment capital of the world is so inaccessible to somebody with a complex disability that you getting around there would be, would be like so hard. Although your porn name could be Teddy Bear in a Chair. That's you already planned that out yeah already had that go ready to go or you could be wilding in your wheelchair I have these are many options. You're, you're hired for my marketing team yeah i have many possibilities for if and when that happened but I, and i also think like your see and the point that i've done it's so important because it shows people with disabilities being giant sluts and being really which is human condition where we're like made to want to have sex we are yeah and like owning their stuff and so i think you being disabled and doing that and so if and when that happens to you if you still want to do adult film like there there's doors will open there and if queer men would just get over their shit for five seconds you like you it could probably still happen yeah i think i think it would absolutely change the rules of engagement would change dramatically. I, I know that fundamentally as I've thought yeah, more about that one. And I think the way you film also, I think like the way you film and you're so acrobatic in some of the, some of the, the positions you can literally get your body into. Like I watch you and I go, I can't do any of that. Like that's not possible. Like, <laughs> so I think 
what would change. And I've said this to others who, when I posed this question, like you'd have to rely more on the dad jokes, the intimacy, the, the like intimacy of being together. And so like, I've done scenes where I can't move at all. I can't move. And so they have to, if they want me to blow them, they have to come up to me and I'll do it. Or if they want to blow me, they have to come to me and do it. And it, you really rely on like, like the humor of the scene, the, the, whatever the scene is and like the, the chemistry between you that isn't necessarily physical, but also yep. like emotional too. Well, look, we've talked about it. I'm all about chemistry and all about humor. So I can at least tick those boxes. <laughs> I mean, again, if you ever come to Toronto, let me know. Cause I would love to, to first of all, we have to hang out and have a coffee period at the end. And then yeah, I really enjoy talking to you. It's it's, this has been amazing. It's been a great start to my Sunday. Oh, no, we'd have a great time. So my last couple questions for you are, well, my last big one for you, and then we can go wherever we want to go. Um, Did this question of what would happen if you became a wheelchair user tomorrow, did it make you think more about ableism in the LGBTQ community specifically? And if so, how do you think that community members can combat their own ableism? How do you think LGBTQ non-disabled gay men can really address their own ableism i think so i think it all goes back to social spaces for me because i think in the lgbtq community we're always trying to find spaces where we feel safe and welcome and we congregate there together and that's where we're able to like have that community and have that vibe so i think fundamentally it would go back to that it goes back to this idea of is the space accommodating accessible etc And if, 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 if it's those things, then automatically it's heading in the right direction. So, um, yeah, I think the big question is when we think about where we're going to congregate, where we're going to, you know, laugh together, cry together, et cetera, um, that that place is open and accessible to everyone. So I think it's kind of that. Cause I know like, you know, there's a few spaces here in Melbourne that people go to. Um, and I would say they're varying degrees of accessibility, to be honest. So automatically yeah. you're excluding people, right? Like, yeah. like, sorry, you. You literally can't get through the area, through the, through the, the door jam. So therefore you've excluded people. Like that's just not on. So like, I just think that LGBTQ plus men need to remember that one day, like, sure, you're at the club on, sure, you're at the club right now, but in 20 years, when your body starts to give out on you and you need a cane or you need a wheelchair or you need whatever it is, you may, you might not be able to go, go dance in that box anymore, but you're still going to want to get your dick sucked. So you don't, you deserve a place to go do that. Like they have to remember that it will be them one day and they're still going to have all the same urges they have right now. They just going to have to find a different way to access them. And I think if queer men confronted their ableism head on, which is, which is kind of why we're doing this today, but if they had like had a conversation with themselves about, Hey, how have I been ableist? Hey, how have I, how have I contributed to this? Like, that's one of the ways we combat it i also think like how many freaking drag drag brunches do we have for like ridiculous reasons which is great but can we have a drag brunch for and i said this a million times but can we have a drag brunch for like putting accessibility in a club why can't we have go-go dancers and drag queens and all the same thing you have the brunch but all that money goes to make sure that the club is actually accessible a great point it's a super great point one of the performers that I that I see all the time that I really admire is um, King Dwarf, Dwarf, New York. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
just an awesome Joel, performer. Joel someone he and Joel someone are together. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I see his stuff all the time on social media and he's been on like OTV shows representing little people. And I think like that's such a cool thing because he's doing that and being like, hey, look, I'm a disabled person, but I'm still, I have a giant dick. I like to fuck. I like to be queer. Here I am. Don't be afraid of me. Like, look at yeah. me. And I think that's such a powerful. It's game changer stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's like game changer energy, like big dick energy for real. <laughs> and he's like, I don't, and I think that I think we need more of that representation. Like we need more hot disabled daddies in power chairs. We need more of, we need the community to see that to, and go, Oh, that guy's really hot. And he turns me on, but I'm scared, but I'm going to go say hi anyway. Yeah. Like they need a chance to see that without seeing that they have no idea what they're walking into. Isn't it? So, it's funny. So much of what we talked about today is fear, isn't it? Yeah. It's just fear. on both ends. It's like everyone's afraid. Oh, <laughs> we got to break it down. Like I'm afraid of let's pretend we were going to, we were going to have do a scene together. I would be terrified to ask you for help because I would be there thinking at what point is Teddy going to realize that I'm too disabled for him and he's got to walk out. Cause I've had guys, I remember when I was in college, I had guys who would come over at 2am from the abs and we, we were going to fuck. And I had a guy come over and he sat in my dorm room and he looked at me and he goes, dude, I can't do this. I gotta, I gotta just go. You know, he like just left. And I messaged him after and said like, what, what's why? I knew why, but I was like, just tell me why. And he was like, oh man, you, uh, you really for real disabled. And I was like, yeah, but you knew that one. Like what? So like, I think the fear of like not knowing what it is, is really scary. And so I, I'm afraid of telling you what it is because if I show you all of what it is, you're going to run away. Yeah. And so I think, well, and look, of- and if you've had experiences where that's happened, then of course it's a fear that persists. Come on. Yeah. I mean, God, that's, that's not something you just get over instantaneously. Like most of my sex life is experiences like that, which is why I moved to hiring escorts. Cause I was like, well, if I can't get it organically, I'm going to create it for myself because it's not working out like going on dates. So I guess I'll, you know, and that was something that I really struggle with of like, do I want to pay? 250 an hour for this experience but then when you don't have sex for years and years or any kind of like intimate touch you're like fuck i'll do whatever i have to do let's figure it out um but it does it does take a moment to get your head around that yeah makes sense look i i i started escorting maybe a year ago around the same time that i kind of launched teddy um and it's been by and large a really beautiful experience escorting I've, I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it because I like the idea of connecting with someone. I love the idea of talking about fantasies and then executing those fantasies. Um, so I'm glad the profession exists. I, what do they say? It's the oldest profession. I'm glad it's been around for yeah, so long. I, sex work has been one of the best experiences of my life because yeah, I've had, I've had, I've had workers where it didn't work out so well and we didn't vibe and that's fine. But for the most part, like, my experiences with John have given me my sex life back. Like I've been able to like feel that sense of like, Oh, somebody's on my dick because they want to be, yes, I'm paying them. But also like we have a relationship where we've known each other so long now that his desire to is there. And that's nice. That took me a while to get, to get used to of like, okay, if I'm, if I give you money, you like, 
do you actually want to be there or is it like and that's i think you know a sex negative way of looking at it is like they don't just want to be there for the money they want to be there because they give a shit about you but ableism tells me that like oh they wouldn't want to be with a disabled guy and so getting away from that messaging for me has been hard well i mean i think the best sex workers care about creating an amazing experience for someone it has to come from that source right like that you are in this work because you enjoy creating beautiful sexual experiences for people so um why can't we live closer i would hire you immediately you sound like like i just i know i well i just i know myself really well and it's part of being you know in my 40s when i started all of this stuff i just i i know who i am um i'm proud of who i am and I know how to communicate well. Um, and that stuff, I think kind of some of that stuff does just come with age. It just does. So yeah. 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 <laughs> I agree. Um, well, we run out of all the questions. We've kind of done it. Is there anything else you want to chat about or anything you had like any burning last questions? Really? I mean, you ticked all the boxes. I came in here with my questions and you answered them all. Um, I really appreciate that, that we got this sorted i know it took a little while because of time zones and all of that so i just i'm really touched that you reached out to me proactively and invited me on your show and i hope you found it interesting and valuable i absolutely oh, no, did. did i certainly did and that you know it's nice to because so many people that do what you do don't have the like self-awareness that you have and don't have the, like willingness to to talk about it i've i posed the same invite to a lot of other performers who are like whoa that's the whoa and so like the fact that you're sitting down and wanting to engage with the question tells me a lot about the kind of work you do and that makes me very happy i appreciate that and um thank you for making me so comfy as you would say i was extremely comfy on this whole chat <laughs> good i'm so glad because well because yeah, you know I, I didn't want to be like hey you're hot show me up <laughs> i wanted to make sure you were like comfy so i'm glad that we i'm glad that it was just I'm you achieved maximum it, comfiness. Well yeah, done. <laughs> good. I'm glad that it was not like a full-on sexy, sexy chat. It was more like, let's have a real conversation. No, I appreciate that so much. Um, I know where I can follow you, but for the people that are listening that want to know more about Teddy Wilder, where do they, where do they reach you? Oh, what an awesome question. I appreciate that. Um, so teddywilder.com has all the links. It's just a redirect to my link tree. No surprise there, but I'm on the usual spots. So I have a, pretty big presence um on x slash twitter Ew, um, gross twitter <laughs> teddy wilder xxx over there but if you search for me you won't find me because i'm what shadow banned so just go to teddywilder.com oh, no. and everything's there yeah okay, we're awesome. all shadow banned yeah twitter is a health you um <laughs> teddy wilder this is so much fun and and i would love to have you back on to do other stuff that like to do other things that are not about Hey, talk about porn for an hour. Um, Perfect. I'm doing another series where I talk about where I watch a movie with somebody about disability and we talk about that. That'd be fun. That would be awesome. Whenever I figure out how to do that, we should do that. That'd be fun. That'd be nice. Keep in touch. You know where to find me. Awesome. (laughs) Teddy Wilder, thank you so much for being here. Um, And we will talk to you soon. All right. Bye, Andrew. Have an amazing rest of your weekend. Bye, you too. Bye. 
Alright friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm of course your delectable daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for being here and shining a light on these stories with me. Thank you. If you want to follow my work, you can go to www.andrewgerza.com. Anytime, all my links are there. If you want to support the show in any way, we, you can leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and that will give you access to the show one day early, completely ad-free for as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or more if that works for your budget. Also, there are yearly amounts available there. So if you wanted to do that, that would be great. If you're able to, I would appreciate it. If you want to be a guest on the show, please email me directly at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com or andrew at andrewgerza.com. I would love to have you and shine a light on your story. Thank you so much for listening to these episodes and supporting disability content by listening to Disability After Dark. And we will see you for our next episode in two weeks. Thanks, friends. Talk to you soon. Bye! Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, Please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2023.